global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. And this morning, Walmart stores down 4.4% shares of them, the world's largest retailer lowering its annual sales forecast after the strong dollar pulled down the value of overseas revenue. Futures, meanwhile, are moving higher, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up four points, Dow E-mini futures up 44, and NASDAQ E-mini futures up 17. DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd, the yield 1.81%, yield on the two-year 0.73%. NYMEX crude oil up 2.4% or 73 cents to 31.39 a barrel. COMEX gold is down half percent or $6.30 to 12.05.10 an ounce. The euro $1.1086, the yen 113.83. Dish Network posted profit that missed analyst estimates as more TV customers canceled service. And NVIDIA is up 8% this morning. The biggest maker of graphics chips used in high-end gaming computers predicted sales that may exceed analyst estimates, demonstrating Again, how its enthusiast customers are protecting it from the worst of the PC slump. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you very much. Well, it is a truism in investing that the smart guys buy companies before the rest of the world knows why you would want to do so. The smarter guys identify those companies for the smart guys. One of the smarter guys is Kuali. He's uh, head of equity derivatives, flow equity derivatives, uh, they officially call it, for Credit Suisse, and he's here with us now. Um, you look uh, – let me ask, ask it this way. We have a sort of risk-on feel to the markets the last three or four days. What are people doing in the options market, and does that tell us whether this is sustainable or not? Sure. Thanks. Um one of the things that we're more concerned with is that, like you said, even though there is a more of a risk tone, risk on tone to the market, um, the bigger concern is, is this just a short squeeze or is this more of a function of, you know, basically the world is okay again? <laughs> Tom, you're looking confused. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth with Rich. Okay. The Rich Truman is our, uh, is our crack producer here trying to float Tom's balloon here. Um, so it, it, risk on for the moment, but uh, are people willing to bet on that? And so that's the, again, like, you know, that's the million or billion dollar question, so to speak, is, you know, is this over? Is this period of fear over? Um, and one of the things that stands out to us is, look, we're in a period now where we've just gone through earnings and you don't have really that much volume going through at the moment. Um, that's something that should throw up some alarm bells, so to speak, right? And even though you don't have much volume, what you do have in the market right now are a lot of buybacks active. Again, buybacks start after the earnings period ends because companies right. start getting involved. We've heard it's incredibly slow. You do a lot of quant into derivatives. You knew that out of your chemistry degree at Harvard. We talk about Ec-10 at Harvard. I mean, did you take Ec-10 in Ec- economics? Everyone oh. takes Ec-10. Everybody takes Ec-10. What they don't know is Chem-40, which is inorganic chemistry, which is a rite of passage. Their models within science, within chemistry, are the models in your world, world right now – upside down or askew? Do you have any confidence 
in derivative construction, given how slow it is and given the correlations that we see out there on the Bloomberg? You know, that's a great question. So the great thing about chemistry is that when you put X plus Y together, if it's supposed to blow up, it if blows it blows up, up it blows up. <laughs> you know, Thank you. In, in the markets, you put <clears throat> X plus Y together, everyone's wait for it to blow up, and it doesn't blow up. And the reason why is because it's not just X and Y that actually matter. Right. There's A, B, C, D, E, F, G out there that all influence it. And it's, you know, again, one of those things in science that you call a multidimensional problem, which is a complicated way of saying, you know what, no one knows the answer for sure. But what you can do is you can create a model that says, hey, you know what, most of the time when most. these things happen, this should happen. And like you said, when correlations start breaking down, people start asking why. What's the acceptable failure level, though, then for a quant strategy. When you say most of the time, uh, how most do you have to be in order to make it work? Again, that's a, you know another great question. If this was baseball, we only do great questions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if this were baseball, a third of the time would be great, but it's not baseball. It's investing. And, and the interesting thing about investing is that even something that, say, only works 51% of the time, right, great traders can make money on that if their money management is such that the 51% of the time that they get it right, they make 10 to 1, right? And so that's a, that's why, like, there's this myth about quants in that, hey, these guys are right 90% of the time. They're not. Really, it's about just getting something that's right most of the time or enough of the time so that when you put it all but in. But can you do that within an equity desk with the distortion off a fixed income of negative interest rates, the zero-bound reality of every central bank out there in the, the first and second-order derivatives of commodities right now. Can you, can you in 2016 create a model? And that's the thing. You can't if you're looking backwards because you don't have history to basically give you, hey, here's what You don't happened. even have a risk-free rate. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so what do you do on the desk at Credit Suisse? What do you do if you don't have a risk-free rate and you can't look backwards? What you do is you just sort of make a best guess. But what you can do yeah. is you can basically take, say, hey, you know what? Um, and you know, the analogy I'll give is, you know, sometimes when you're playing golf, right, and you hit a driver, um, you know right away whether or not it's going to slice, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, predicting like how far you go or whatever. Like again, this thing can go 250 yards, 300 yards. It doesn't matter. What you really are trying to get at is when you hit it, is this thing going to slice? And sometimes, again, predicting what happens way out in the future is tough. But what you try to do, and especially an advantage that we have on a trading desk is I don't have to get what's right three months out. But what I'm trying to do is get what's right one day to one week. To Mike's question, though, if we hear from interview after interview that things are quiet is what we hear, in a lack of volume, can you construct forward-thinking models? And. That's, That's a, a really tough question. It is a tough question, and unfortunately for a lot of people, right? And it's not just something that comes on the investing side. It comes even at the level of a bank CEO, right? You're trying to create a strategy that's supposed to give you a profitable bank or a strategy mm-hmm. that's supposed to give you a profitable trading investment, right? Um, but you're really just going on best guests. You're going on maybe some past case studies, maybe some, mm-hmm. um, you know, Real like numbers that again, like you said, there's no right. real history to it. We're all just we're all just working for market. I sat in the St. Regis Hotel in Beijing and I read my first article on CDO squares, and I had the basic response of everybody, including the big short. What's that? And it was my basic idea. What's the new CDO squared away from flow equity at Credit Suisse? What's the derivative item or guess or manipulation that you see now that causes you professional concern? Well, the things that will cause me the most professional concern are where do people have their wealth? 
because wealth destruction is ultimately what we're looking for, right? It's the great Michael Lewis quote, you know, to err is equities, but to really screw things up takes fixed income. And what you really need to do is find out, all right, what is that, you know, area where people have concentrated wealth? And what, what you would say about foreign exchange, you can't print out air, right? <laughs> you can't say that on radio. Exactly. Continue. Exactly. So, again, where is a lot of wealth in the world held? And a lot of it is held in, you know, basically government bonds, right? Um, and as you move towards a negative interest rate world, what are you going to do when the person who has their bank account in you know, some country all of a sudden is losing money because they have negative rates? Like you said at the beginning, this is something that we haven't modeled before. And while you can look in the equity markets and equity strategies, use your quant models to say, hey, you know what, this stock should go up and this stock should go down. Right. The question that you're asking me about what causes me concern is that it's not the day-to-day movements of the equity market that's going to you know, cause me concern. It is when you get actual wealth destruction, when someone who has mm-hmm. a million you know, francs all of a sudden wakes up and has 900,000 francs, right? Then they start making right. decisions. Mike, I would point out that the 20-year Swiss franc is breaking down not through record low, but at 0.10%. I've never said this on air. The 20-year. The two-decade yield is a tenth of a percent. Well, you don't want to be uh, investing in Swiss bonds at the moment unless unless you have to, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, or if you think they're going to continue to decline. Now, that's part of the prediction effort for somebody who's going to be investing in these things. Uh, what is, uh, what's the impact of this idea that uh, the neutral real rate is much lower than we've ever seen it before uh, and and may stay there? You know, this is something that is, you know, a phenomenon that's going to propagate itself, and we're just going to have to see. Um, again, if the neutral rate has to be lower, that means that risk assets need to be higher because, you know, like I said before, people don't want to earn zero. They want to earn something. Um, but there's a big pull between, you know, again, the greed and fear um, aspects of it in that people want to return, but when they're nervous, when they're in a risk reduction mode, they won't go get that return. And so, again, you take everything down to zero. We don't know yet if actually that money is going to go into buying stocks or buying bonds. We'll find out, though. Thank you for stopping by. And a Gaussian word. Quali is with Credit Suisse and Equity Flow. uh, We have much to talk to. We'll we'll have him back on to continue this. uh, Was that that okay, Mike? I don't think think we we avoided a fair amount of jargon, right? Well, you kept me from getting lost, which is good. Yeah. Next week, kurtosis. Well, look at that. Futures up six. Down futures up uh, 54. I'm watching oil. Mike, help me watch oil because i got to relaunch my launch pad screen uh, right now. It's got to 31.53 for West Texas, yeah. up 2.8%. Brent crude, 35.22. It's up uh, 2.1% on the day. And uh, we get, of course, the yeah. holiday delayed inventory numbers out at 10.30 this morning. Yeah, we like those holiday delayed Inventory numbers. Actually, inventory is quite important. We'll give you, I hope, good perspective on that as well. The yen, 113.83. Stronger Japanese yen. Stay with us. A bonus, another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.